You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Hi, this is Josh Mead, and we are here with Daniel Jenkins, missionary to the Gambia. Where are you at right now? You're obviously in a hotel somewhere. Where are you at in your travels? So uh, we are on furlough. Uh, We came back this summer, um, and uh, we had a baby. Uh, Our second boy, uh, Emmett, was born. And uh, so we're on furlough, um, and I'm in Colorado right now, and uh, out out here, I was at some meetings in Arizona last week and then in Colorado this week. How long have you been a missionary to the Gambia? So my wife and I were uh, accepted by the board of BIMI, our mission board, um, in 2017, uh, the year we were married. Uh, We were married in March of 2017. And so we've been missionaries with BIMI since 2017. Uh, We uh, raised our support, went to the field, uh, finished raising our support, went to the uh, mission field there in Gambia, uh, May of 2019. So we have been there for two years. That is exciting. Now, we're going to get to your story. I want to I want to share your journey. I want you to share your journey. Um, Daniel and I go back a little bit. Uh, He's made a trip out to Senegal. We're going to talk all about that, how God used this trip in your life and uh, in leading you. I love watching how God works in people's lives and watching how people are in their journey discovering God's will and just seeing different ways that God draws people. And uh, we got to have a personal involvement in your story and in your journey, and we're excited to see it. But I got to ask about the Gambia. How many times when you were raising support or when you called the pastor, did, did you get the question asked, where on earth is the Gambia? <laughs> it's true. Um, so many people get it confused with Zambia. Uh, Zambia is in near South Africa. It's a, a long ways away from us. Uh, sorry about that. Um, and uh, so Gambia is on the far western tip of Africa. We actually uh, are neighbors. Uh, you there in Senegal and Gambia are neighboring countries. And Gambia is the smallest country on the mainland of Africa, only 2 million people. So it, it does largely get overlooked. Um, there's a lot of big countries in Africa, um, countries where lots of missionaries have gone uh, over the years. But Gambia is a very small country. It's, it's largely um, unreached um, it's, and largely unheard of uh, by especially a lot of churches and pastors. I've been to Gambia a few times, and there's such a tremendous need there in the Gambia. And we're going to share a little bit later about one of the uh, one of the young men who attends your church. He was the first young man that we led to Christ here in the ministry here. And uh, just how God has uh, used you already in just a short period of time you've been there. And we'll get to your vision for the Gambia, but let's go way back. Did you, did you always want to be a missionary? Take us back to your childhood. You don't have to share too many details. We're assuming, you know, you trusted Christ at a young age. Let's get to that desire to be a missionary. When did you first sense that leading? Was that always there or something that took time to develop? You know, I've heard you talk about this in your previous uh, podcasts, and you and I have personally talked about this, um, but it's always so unique how God draws people to the mission field and to God's will specifically. 
Um, and I think every person's uh, story is unique. Every person's journey is unique. Um, ours is no exception. Um, when I was, I grew up in a Christian home and um, I was um, introduced to missions from the earliest I can remember having missionaries through our church. Uh, church uh, missionaries who would come back and show the slides and uh, how ancient that seems today. But uh, it was so intriguing to me as a kid to see pictures and slides of of people and, and countries in Africa. And uh, as a child, I had a, a desire um, to to serve the Lord in whatever ways he would want me. Um, there wasn't any specific calling to missions as a child. Um, I did have an uncle uh, who was a missionary for 15 years uh, in Germany. And my family, when I was about 12 years old, my family was able to go over there and spend about two weeks in Germany um, to be able to see uh, missions, uh, church planning. Um, and uh, that was very uh, eye-opening for me, uh, very helpful to see the mission field. And so I think God used that in, in my heart to to confirm a call to ministry, um, and that's really what I, I feel that my call is is to is to the gospel ministry. Um, I recognize that you know throughout my lifetime, um, God may take me to different places of ministry at different times of my life, and so uh, my calling is to the ministry. Specifically, right now is is Gambia, West Africa, and uh, you know God began that work in my life through college. Um, also, took missions trips in high school. Um, I just wanted to serve the Lord as, as a teenager. Um, you know, I had good friends, uh, a good church that loved me, that uh, youth pastors that loved me and just shepherded me in the right direction. Pa parents and grandparents also did the same in my life. And so uh, through missions trips, um, you know, had an opportunity to serve on uh, vacation Bible school missions trips, as well as uh, construction missions trips. And I think we'll get to that a little bit. Um, just in, in how uh, after college I worked in construction and then took mission trips. So you always really had a heart for missions. You wanted to be involved in mission ministry in some sense. Um, did you did you believe it would be a full-time overseas service or at what point did you, as after you graduated from college, I know your story a little bit, you went into construction. Talk a little bit about what was your sense at that point after graduating? Because a lot of times guys will graduate from college and I've noticed this happen. And of course your story is unique and I don't think it's, there's others who have a similar timeline the way you do, but there's some guys who they have a heart for missions, they graduate, but then they get maybe sidetracked or they don't have a sense of where they're going to go yet. Um, and so they plug into another occupation, they plug into another avenue, and that mission desire kind of fades off into the background. How did you, as you plugged in after Bible college, what you led to do, what you went into with construction, you can talk a little bit about that. How did you, you continue to cultivate that heart for missions? Did it go to the wayside or did you always keep that at the forefront? Because we're going to get to the future a few years down the road when you do surrender to full-time missions, but how did you continue to cultivate that even after Bible college? Talk to some of the young guys who have that heart's desire, but right out of Bible college, they're not sure what to do. How'd you keep that heart for missions alive? Yeah, so it really started back in high school, as I said, when I took missions trips, um, and it really just built on itself, God's calling in my life. Um, you know, I always had a desire 
um, from high school and maybe earlier to to be in full time ministry. Um, both of my grandfathers were were independent Baptist pastors, and I just always I grew up in that um, that culture of serving the Lord full time. Both of my parents were very involved in church. And so as a young person, I knew, I knew the Lord was pulling at my heart to serve full time. Um, and when I went to college, I graduated. Um, I was a ministry major in college. I, I knew the Lord had ministry for me, but God never during that whole time. And I even took missions trips to different parts of the U.S. as well as international uh, trips. And God never gave me peace about uh, or never clearly gave me um, a, a direction to a specific country or people group um, until um, I went to West Africa. Um, I had been on at least three or four missions trips um, before coming to Senegal in 2015. Um, I was I graduated college in 2012 um, with a Bible degree, and God just didn't give me peace about um, he didn't give me any clear path. I had friends who were going to work as youth pastors, assistant pastors, uh, right out of college. But for me, um, even though I knew God wanted me in ministry, um, I just kind of accepted the fact that that may be in the future. And so my brother-in-law was uh, working in construction at the time in Georgia, uh, back where I grew up. And so I moved back there and uh, worked uh, with my brother-in-law in construction for the next five years. And I loved construction. God was blessing. But during that time, I took mission trips. And I think that was really what helped me. And that was obviously God's plan and providence um, to continually keep missions before me. But had I not been faithful to church, had I not been faithful to God's calling to go on mission trips when he prompted me or when the spirit prompted me, um, I may not be a missionary today. I may not have ever met my wife. Uh, all of those things that God had in plan if I hadn't been obedient in the moment. And um, that was really what I saw. And, and look, I'm not anyone special. I'm not, I'm just a sinner. And, and you know, but God worked in incredible ways to keep me faithful um, and to keep me on track for, for what his plans were. And um I went into construction for those five years, but during that time, I took construction missions trips, and um, I went uh, on a trip to Senegal in 2015. I believe it was February of 2015. You guys were building your church building at that time. I had no think. I had no thoughts in the world, honestly, um, as I'm speaking to you here now, of of being a missionary in West Africa. Um, I went on that trip to use construction, the skills, the abilities that I was learning to be a blessing uh, to missionaries. And, you know, the Bible verse says, you know, your your eye affects your heart. And, and mine sure was. My heart was affected. Uh, my eyes were, were opened uh, to the needs, um, to the harvest fields. And just the Lord directed um, through that construction trip. I actually went back several times to help continue the construction there of your your church building, and um, you know, and God just confirmed during that time that that He wanted me as a missionary there. Um, and I met uh, Usman, who uh, you led to the Lord, actually uh, one of your first uh, people there in Senegal that you had led to the Lord from Gambia, a young man from a, a completely Muslim background. Uh, his, all of his family and village is completely Muslim, no Christians at all. And uh, just hearing his testimony, uh, how how he 
came to know the Lord, uh, hearing his burden for Gambia, um, God just made it abundantly clear that how could I, how could I not get involved? How could I not be the one that would answer the call of God to reach people like him and his family? That's amazing. I love, and let's get to that. We'll, we'll talk a little more about the details of that trip to Senegal. One thing I've observed from getting to know you is that and there are some humorous, uh, you know, anecdotes we can share here about uh, some of our experiences even together. But one thing I've learned about you getting to know you is when you're ready to make a decision, you make a decision and you go all in. That's just Daniel's a guy like if he knows what he wants, he's going all the way in. And that's why I think your story is so important of the time it took from the time you graduated and just patiently waiting on the Lord my story is opposite. I'm not one to just jump in and do something, but I've always known what I'm doing and where I'm going from a young age. God revealed I'm going to Africa when I was 13. I knew what Bible college I'd go to by the time I was 15. I knew what country I was going to when I was, you know, a freshman in college and just everything seemed, I even knew I was going to marry Julie before I met her. And that's a whole nother story for another podcast. But the point is, your personality is just gung ho. Like you're going to jump in once you know what you want to do, but it took you a little bit longer. And I think, you know, waiting on the Lord and him cultivating that patience, I think better prepared you for this ministry that he's called you to. Now you came to Senegal and uh, you were a great blessing. Daniel just dove right into the work. Like he had done this a million times. Um, we, ho we love hosting teams. We uh, have as many people in as we can. We love getting exposure of our field to anybody that will come and see it. But one of our purposes and desires on these trips is to try to influence people who God might call to be a missionary. Now, when I first came to Senegal, I was not only praying that God would send us more laborers, but I was praying that God would also send laborers to Gambia. Gambia is very similar to Senegal. There's a huge wide open door you can talk about later about the amazing opportunities uh, to evangelize in this Muslim country. But my impression when you came, you dove right into the work, hard worker. Um, but at the same time, I got the sense by the end of the trip, and this was just me observing you, I was getting the sense that you were called to missions and that you were going to be a full-time missionary. That was the sense I was getting. Um, whereas as we will get more into the story of the timelines, how both of us, how God was using your trips to Senegal to confirm when you left at the end of the trip, my sense was, boy, I, I feel like Daniel wants to be a missionary. It's obvious. He, he's going to be a missionary somewhere. I want him to come back to Senegal. And so Tell me a little bit about that time, that first trip. What what impacted you, you know, to really draw you to conclude? You mentioned it a little bit about seeing Usman and getting to know him. Go a little deeper into that because bring us to the end of that trip and then tell us when you went home, what kind of fleece did you throw out to the Lord uh, to try to confirm what God was doing in your heart. So kind of get a little more in-depth into some of what God was doing uh, through seeing, getting to know Usman and seeing the ministry here. And then bring us to that after you went back home. What what did you tell the Lord? Yeah, so I, I didn't want to leave um, on that trip. Uh, going back to, to Georgia, God was doing great things in my heart. Um, obviously, um, 
you guys could see that. I knew that. Um, it was just exciting to be there and to see the work of the Lord going forward in a, in a predominantly Islamic country where there's very few gospel witness, you know, gospel preaching churches. And um, that really affected me. And, and I had been to other places in the world where there were churches, where there were missionaries um, who had been there many years and had, you know, people in those countries and those states of, of the U.S. had had many churches to go to. And, and it wasn't until I went to Senegal that I saw, I mean, that these are people that don't have the truth. And and I grew up with that. I grew up in a Christian home. I mean, I'm, I am multi-generations removed from, you know, uh, my grandparents and great-grandparents were believers. And these are people in West Africa who don't have that heritage. They don't have the truth. They have religion, but they don't have the relationship that they need with, with Christ. And um, yeah, the, the temptation was real to go back into my job making money. I was single at the time, um, just putting money in savings so I could take trips and kind of have the freedom to do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. So certainly um, Satan would have loved to have gotten in there and gotten me way off track um, and get me settled. But I always, I think it was just through the prayer of my family, the prayer of my church, the prayer of you guys um, that kept me focused on on God's will and obeying God's will. Um, I, I did go back and talking about the fleece, I went back and... You know the the first trip that I took, I had volunteered. Um, I had knew I knew uh, Phil and Susan Smith with Claim Ministries, um, and they were the ones who took the trip over in 2015 to help you guys with the construction. And that's the uh, the trip that I joined with them. Uh, but when I went back, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I I want to know this is of you, and I I don't want to force the will of God or the hand of God. And so I said, Lord. You know my heart. I, I want to go back and I want to help construction. I want to be there and help in the ministry in, in, in Senegal. And I prayed specifically that the Lord would put that burden on you guys as well to, for me, not just want to, to say, hey, I want to come back and try to, you know, put it in your guys' courts to feel obligated to say, yeah, come back and visit us anytime. I wanted to actually see that the, that the Lord was in this, that you actually got, you guys wanted me to come. And that was almost a confirmation for me in my heart to know this is bigger than me. God's in this. He's He's leading. He's drawing me to this region of the world. So that's really how God worked. Um, and he made that clear. I think I got an email from you a few months later. I was like, hey, ho hope you're doing well. Something along the lines of, we'd love to have you come back here. We've got another team coming. And I was like, Okay, Lord, this is your answer, and and I joined that group. I think was from your sending church, and uh, what a blessing it was to be back in Senegal. That was uh, in 2016, and and uh, yeah, just incredible of how the Lord was leading in that. So I remember on my end, I again, like I mentioned, I I was just under the impression like Daniel's going to be a missionary. This is already like something that's obvious, and um, I was operating under that assumption. So I thought, why not just have why can't he be a missionary here? You know, this would be a great place somewhere over here in West Africa. So when I wrote you, it was under the assumption that I, I, I felt 
from the impression I got, just because you you were sharing your heart and you so connected, it was just a natural connection that you made here. Um, and you were just at ease and you your heart stayed here. And that was very clear. So when I contacted you, it was under the impression like, Daniel wants to be a missionary. He might as well come be a missionary here. So when I invited you to come back, I was actually surprised that you hadn't settled that for sure yet, but that was kind of the fleece you put out. And I think that's important. I think that's something that, uh, especially when something as big as moving to the other side of the world, you know, to be a missionary, you need to confirm that with God um, because your, your feelings, even your heart for a place, that's not going to sustain you in the long run. You have to, at the end of the day, know that it's God calling you uh, to this place of service. And so, uh, yeah, I remember you came and even, I don't know, was it one or two, maybe a week into it or so when you let us everybody know that God, we had a meeting afterward. We kind of did a debriefing every night. You want to share a little bit about that? Because I was surprised yeah, when you shared that night, what you shared that night, and you could share. To me, I was like, oh, man, I thought this was already settled. But God had settled it on that trip. Share us a little bit about that night. Yeah, I'd, God love, settled. Yeah, I'd love to because um, it, it was a moment that I knew um, that, that God had, had confirmed in my heart this, um, you know, that God wanted us in West Africa. But also God used his word. And I know in, in God calling you the mission field and many missionaries have this as well, where God uses a specific Bible passage or a scripture or a story within the Bible to confirm that as well. Um, but I'll, I'll share the moment and then I'll share uh, the Bible passage. Um, the moment that I knew uh, we were up on your roof, actually, of, of the church building, I was just there. looking over the city of San Luis, Senegal, northern part of Senegal, uh, close to Mauritania, which is a is a completely closed country, Muslim. And we're hearing the call of prayer to go out. And, and we just stood up there in a circle with our group and prayed. And it was so moving in my heart. And I don't want to sound mystical. I don't want to, you know, it wasn't an emotional experience. This was the Holy Spirit moving in my heart to confirm this. These are the people I need to reach. I mean, the call of prayer was going out and these people are you know, so much like Pharisees, they're, they're, they're working their way to heaven just um, and live empty lives. And God just confirmed it in my heart that, that this is the people that I need to reach. And uh, this is where God had me. And so that was the moment uh, when we were up on that roof uh, of, your, of your building, uh, flat roof, looking out over uh, the city uh, at night, I believe it was. And uh, just God confirmed that. But also God used uh, specifically uh, John chapter 4, I believe, where Jesus is calling some of his first disciples. And he, he, he went to them and he said, come and, and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And that phrase, the verse immediately following that, he says, or it says that they straightway left and followed him. You know, they left their nets. And I think of even Matthew, the tax collector, he, he left all and followed Christ. For me, that was what God wanted me to do. I was working in construction. It was hard. My wife also, her testimony is, you know, she was a, a veterinary technician for eight years after college. So both of us were in careers. And for us to follow this calling of God into missions was a big step of faith. And so we really saw that this was something for us that, that we had to straightway leave everything and follow Christ to do 
immediately what he had us to do. Because otherwise, we could have settled, we could have made excuses, and then Satan could have really gotten us just completely out of God's will and settled for second best. Um, and so I'm so glad that, that God did that in my heart, in my life, when I was there during that trip to confirm that, and then also to use his word uh, to confirm that in my in my life, to just to give me confidence in the in the decision and choice that I was making that this is what God wanted me to do. I remember when you shared with the group, with the team, uh, either that same night or the next night, you shared with us and just poured out your heart. And I remember when you said, this trip, God has confirmed to me that he wants me to be a missionary. And I went, yes, he's going to be a missionary. And then you said in Gambia. And I went, okay, okay, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. You know, <laughs> we, we need people here in Senegal, but Hey, I've been praying for somebody to go to Gambia. And uh, we were so excited to hear that. Now you were single at the time. And when you take these construction trips, all right, usually correct me if I'm wrong. Is it most of the time, people who go on those trips are either single guys who have the means to go on the trip because they're, you know, not married or I won't say old couples, but I'll say more established couples with that kind of sound more accurate. I mean, obviously you're going to get different range, but that seems to be the common that I found. It's either young single guys and then established couple. We'll just say established. It's true. It's not the place to, uh, to meet young ladies. Uh, It's definitely, But you're going on these trips with established couples, and a lot of times the wives are going to try to hook up the single guys on these trips with uh, girls that they know. And I remember this was the case with uh, ladies from our home church, our sending church. I think uh, Julie told me, because I wasn't there, but they were kind of showing pictures or maybe talking to you about some of the single available girls at our home church, Fostoria Baptist, and uh, maybe going through Facebook, showing you different photos and you were disinterested. You know, you probably got that a lot, right? And uh, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then Julie, okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm exaggerating, but Julie said, well, I'll tell you what, Daniel, I've got some, uh, somebody I'd like to show you a picture of. And so she went and got uh, on her Facebook, she pulled up a picture of a friend of ours. Julie grew up in the same province in Nova Scotia, and uh, Sarah had attended, I think, just one year at the same Bible college we went to. But Julie knew this family. They're also a supporting church, the church that uh, Sarah was attending. And so Julie showed you a picture of Sarah. And I think she told me your reaction was your jaw dropped and you started drooling. And <laughs> immediately you were starstruck. Tell us a little bit about that moment and kind of. Uh, I'll share one more story with that, but this was the beginning of your journey with you and Sarah. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Well, that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but uh, no, it was pretty pretty close. Um, but I, I always say missions trips are a dangerous thing because you never know. You might uh, be introduced to your wife on a missions trip. But um, yeah, uh, it's just incredible. I think Julie was on a mission. Uh, she has she has done this a few times, I believe, uh, where she's set up couples. And uh, no, I did not. And I'm honest uh, before God that I did not go on a mission trip to to meet a girl. Um, but it just so happened that you know when when the right person is introduced to me, my ears perk up. So um, yes, and so. I'll tell you about- Daniel's 
go get him spirit because when Daniel knows what he wants, I, I, and this is such an important characteristic. I know this is why God's led you to Senegal because, or to uh, Gambia, uh, because you have to have that spirit of pioneering that I'm, I know what God wants me to do and I'm going to do it, you know, but with, with Sarah, I remember Julie later contacted Sarah that evening and said, Hey, Sarah, I just wanted to give you a heads up. But I, I gave your information to a young man here who's a single young man on a trip. And uh, she said, is his name Daniel? <laughs> I guess you had already contacted her. I mean, that was, that's working quick, man. And, uh, but I wasn't going to mess around. I that's right. Wait, that's know? right. So tell us a little bit about some of Sarah's story because did she want to be a missionary? She had already been in Senegal. She came a couple years prior to that, and uh, she spent a few months with us here in Senegal. And uh, I, we didn't. She didn't say she hadn't said she wanted to be a full-time missionary, but she loved missions and she had the opportunity to come. She was a huge blessing, and in fact, I'll tell you, Sarah is a tough girl she came and was helping us move uh two things happened and then i'll let you tell a little bit your story with sarah but uh, while she was with us on that first trip the first thing that happened is we got our truck stuck out in the sand and so while i'm trying to dig out one side i sent there was an intern from a bible college a guy and there were three missionary kids with us and so I told them to start digging out the other side well sarah was on the other side and she heard me and so she gets down and starts digging out that side. So I get my side dug out. I come around the corner and all the guys are sitting there watching her dig out. And I said, man, guys, don't work too hard. And from underneath the truck, she says, okay. I said, no, not you. I mean, you're the one doing the work. Good night. And uh, then later she was helping us do some moving because a 40 foot container arrived with a bunch of stuff for our house. And uh, she was putting something on a shelf and she fell off a chair and she was hobbling around, but I mean, she didn't really complain about it. She didn't tell us until she went home. She got an x-ray and she had actually broke her foot. And yet she was still toughing it out so she she's an amazing woman tell us a little bit about sarah and a little bit about your journey together was it did she know right away she wanted to marry you as bad as you wanted to marry her no no not at all um i definitely was the one that showed interest right away uh we we talked long distance for several months um, before meeting and um no i you know Sarah's story is very similar to mine. I grew up in a Christian uh, home, a great church there in Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, she came to visit you guys. Actually, I think you were, were uh, just coming back from your first furlough um, or your, maybe your second um, in 2013. She spent three months with you guys and uh, she just wanted to be a blessing, um, to be a help. Uh, I think you had just had uh, your second child at that time, I think uh, Tristan and Clarissa was just born. And uh, so uh, she came to just be a blessing and help. And uh, she was working uh, at a veterinary clinic during that time. And uh, so she had, she was single, had money saved up, just went, you know, uh, to be a blessing. And, uh, you know, I think that through that trip, um, definitely she left the door open to missions. She wasn't specifically saying, yes, this is absolutely where God wants me. I'm confident of that. Uh, she didn't have that peace in her heart at that time. Um, 
and you know she went back uh just continued to work in in her church and work in uh, her her career um after leaving Senegal and uh then the next thing was when I contacted her in in 2015 and uh so you know we we had talked for a while um then we went through about a year where we didn't talk uh we just at that time God didn't make it clear that uh he wanted us uh together um, especially the long distance thing was, was difficult, not being able to really spend time, you know, getting to know each other. And, uh, you know, and so we, um, I, during that time went back into Senegal in 2016, um, actually two different trips in 2016. And, um, then we reconnected and, uh, just in an amazing way, there's a little bit of a story. I won't go too long into it, but you guys, uh, were on furlough and you and I went back, um, together to take a survey trip to Gambia uh, with our field director, Eric Bowman. And uh, during that time, it was just you and I there in Senegal for a few, I think we were going to be there for a month or two. And uh, during that time, your your grandfather passed away. And so you went back to Michigan uh, to uh, for that funeral. And so I stayed there. I said, no, don't worry about me. I'm good. I, I This is good for me. Uh, if God's calling me here, then, then I, I can do this. And uh, so Sarah and I reconnected through, uh, actually, I was in charge of taking care of your animals. And uh, so I knew that she was a veterinary uh, veterinarian and worked at a, a clinic. And so uh, your, your dogs got sick during that time. And the only veterinarian I knew was Sarah. And so I messaged um, her. So and let's lead up to that because you guys hadn't chatted for a while, right? And it had been a while. Um, but she had just gone on a missions trip to St. Lucia. Am I correct? She had gone to St. Yep. Lucia. And during that trip, God would confirmed in her heart, uh, calling in her life. And I think it was on this, when you contacted her, um, that she confirmed that to you. Cause I remember you telling me when I got back, so what, what was it that God was doing in her life that, and then it led to you contacting her? What did yeah. she tell you when you contacted her? Yeah. So her, her brother, uh, was a missionary in St. Lucia, uh, Greg Little, Greg and Amanda Little were there in St. Lucia and, uh, she went to visit them. Um, and God confirmed in her life, uh, separately from me, um, about missions and, and then I think it was just a few months later that I contacted her with the, the you know, with a need of, hey, what do I do? What medicines? What should I ask for? And uh, so we reconnected through that. And uh, I don't know. I knew she her, she always had a, a soft spot for animals. So that was my foot in the door, I guess, uh, back into the relationship. And uh, so pretty, pretty cool story. Um, but yeah, God had confirmed that in her life. And then I think for her, um, she had told her mom that you know if if Daniel contacted me again i I think we would we would start talking again, um so she had kind of had that attitude, and then I think it was as she was telling her mom this and just sharing her heart with her mom about God's calling in her life, and then you know just uh, a a relationship with Daniel again, possibly with me and um and her phone rang or her phone was i I think I sent her a message, and uh, she showed her mom the the phone and said, "Look." look who it is. <laughs> so it was like, okay, Lord, this is, you know, th this is you. And, uh, so I guess the rest is history because, 
uh, during that second time, God made it clear. We did talk long distance for a while, but uh, then we visited each other's families through an extended time. We spent a month with each other, and and that was really good to to confirm that that God wanted us together as a couple, and then also to confirm you know God's calling together to the country of Gambia. So, what does that tell you about God's working in your life? Because if you step back and look at it from just a human logic, it just doesn't make sense. You know, you, you contact her and then you part ways and then for no reason at all, except that she's the only person, you know, with animal experience, veterinarian, you call her right at the right, right. moment. What does that tell you about God's working and, and his oversight in this calling of yours to go to Gambia? Yeah. So probably for those who are listening, um, you're probably laughing and you're probably like just confused um, as we are about uh, this whole story. But it really is true. Um, we don't know the plans of God. We don't know um, tomorrow. Uh, we don't know what God is doing. He only uh, reveals a little bit at a, at, a, at a time. And that's really what we saw as, as we look back hindsight to see God's, God's providence, providence and God's, God's plan, plan for us. We could have never imagined that God would work in the ways he did. Um, and it really is just amazing at how God, how God works. And it, it does confuse us. You know, we try to plan our life. We try to, you know, make wise decisions. Um, we try to figure everything out on our own. But really, God is the one who who makes it clear in his timing. Um, he doesn't always give us multiple steps ahead. Um, sometimes it's just that first step of faith that we have to to prove and to show and to obey. And that then God gives us the next step and the next step. So you guys get married and you make a trip together. Now, was that during deputation that you both came out so she could visit the Gambia? Because we took a trip with Sarah. You had already been to Gambia once or twice uh, individually. And then yeah, you came twice. back. Yep, twice. Um, and then you came back and planned this trip with Sarah. And um, at that time, Sarah was expecting, and, and I want to, we're going to get a little bit into this story and we'll probably finish, you know, with this. And then you can talk a little bit about where you're at in Gambia, what the Lord's doing. But I think this story is going to, I think it'll encourage missionaries going through difficulties, especially a lot of missionaries on their first term. We just did a podcast. It's coming out soon um, about uh, culture shock and facing difficulties on the field during your first term. Now, since we've been on the field, my wife and I, there's maybe three events that I can remember that I've experienced that were traumatic, that were even beyond culture shock. It was just, it was stress. It was an emotional, it was a draining, it was a traumatic experience. And one of those top three experiences was an experience we had. It was more with you guys and what you experienced, but we, we were there with you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. You guys came on a trip. We went to Gambia and then we were coming back up here. Um, Sarah was expecting, but having a little bit of difficulties. I, I want to let you share a little bit about that. And then I want to share about how God was in control of the whole situation from the beginning and how let's share, you share your side of what happened. 
And yeah. then I want to go back to a month before you even came on that trip, what God did. And, and just, it was just, it was a traumatic story, but it was a story of God's grace that when I tell other missionaries, this story, their response is, I can't believe they're still on the field. I can't believe they're still going. That's a testimony to God's grace. And so why don't you share a little bit about uh, what, what events led up to that night, uh, that that traumatic experience. Yeah, so we got married in March of 2017, uh, and uh, we started uh, deputation, raising our support uh, three months later in the summer of 2017. And uh, we were on deputation, raising support. Um, we had just great meetings, but we had scheduled um, a survey trip together as a married couple. Uh, I believe it was November um, of, of 2017. Uh, we were expecting. Uh, my wife was 12 weeks along at the time and uh, had shown no no symptoms of miscarriage at all, no, no complications uh, going into the trip to Senegal. Uh, we booked our tickets. Uh, we, we landed in Senegal. And I think we were there for a few days in, in the capital city, Dakar. And uh, my wife uh, just experienced um, some complications, went to uh, a doctor there in Dakar, and it was confirmed that uh, she had had a miscarriage. And um, there was no uh, concern um, at that point that she would have any complications with uh, going through the miscarriage. Um, so we continued on with uh, our trip, actually, I believe is the next day up to uh, St. Louis. Yeah, and I'll just add, um, we don't have that great of medical care in our city. If there's a major medical procedure, we drive to the capital. Um, we don't have the best care here. So I was very concerned that there would be no complications. And the doctor assured us that everything would just would be fine. And um, she did give us a phone number of a doctor she trusted up here, but I didn't know who he was. I had never connected with him. So I'll just give that caveat that I was concerned having lived here, knowing that if anything gets complicated, it's a four hour drive because I, I would not want to take her to the hospital here. And mm -hmm. so the doctor was pretty confident that, no, there'll be no issue. Everything will be OK. And so, yes, we made our way up here to San Luis and I uh, continue. Yeah. So she was she was early enough along um, at 12 weeks um, that that doctor uh, felt like she would have no problem. Uh, going through the miscarriage over the next few days. We had planned, I, I believe, two weeks there. And so we were, our plan was to go up to Senegal, spend about a week up there, or sorry, up in San Luis, up with you guys for a week with your church, and then go down into Gambia for a few days uh, for a survey trip down there and to visit Usman and his family and village. And uh, so we were up in uh, San Luis with you guys, and my wife um, started going you know, through the, the process of miscarriage. And um, we were we were all downstairs in your house. My wife was upstairs and uh, I won't go into too much detail, but uh, just had passed out in the bathroom uh, unknown to us. And uh, she had basically was unconscious um, and there <laughs> I don't want to go into too much detail, but just it was a bad situation. And uh, we had heard her cry out from downstairs. All of us ran and uh, found her up there and it, it was traumatic it was shocking it was a moment like what do you do there's panic um and she was having complications with it uh losing a lot of blood um was was uh anemic and so the decision was made and i know you can share 
with this from your decision because us, you know, I had been there. I had spent uh, more than three months uh, on on three different trips up in San Luis, so I knew my way around comfortably. But obviously, you guys live there. You you had uh, intimate knowledge of your city way more than I did, or we did, and so the decision was made to 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 go to the the hospital. And I know that you and I had talked like, okay, well, we can drive the four hours to the capital city, but she may not make it. Um, she was losing that much blood um, yeah. and, so or go was, to a clinic. It was late. And so we called that number that the doctor in Dakar had given us, but there was, it was not a functional number. It wasn't getting anywhere. And I knew I wasn't going to take her to the hospital here because we had just gone through a gentleman in our church that had just gotten saved, um, was dealing with some demonic oppression uh, and issues with his family. And he actually attempted suicide and he was taken to the hospital here. And, and that was my first culture shock experience. Okay. was watching how they dealt with this gentleman, this police officer and just the callousness and, um, it was just, uh, it's hard to describe unless you go through it. So I just, having just experienced that, I didn't want to take her to our local hospital and I couldn't get in touch with this doctor that I didn't know that I thought, well, he's an option. So we were, we were leaning all of us to let's get to the Capitol. When we got her to the car and I got a good look at her, we, I knew, and I think Julie knew, and I know you were in a panic. It was very difficult, traumatic experience. But we both knew by the time we got to the car that she's not going to make it if we drive four hours. We've got to find something here. And it was at that moment, and this is where God was already working. One month prior to this trip that you guys made, a woman at our church she decided she was going to take her husband's car out for a drive when her husband wasn't there and uh, she's never driven before. Okay. So she goes into town and she goes around a round point and she runs into the wall of this building and uh, cracks the wall. So now she's got to get the car repaired and her husband's not too happy and, and, she knew we did some construction with the church and stuff. So she asked me if I can get a mason to repair the wall. So we get the wall repaired. And then I went over to paint. I enjoy painting. So I go over there to repaint the wall. And as I'm painting, I ask one of the, uh, I see a woman walking in and I said, what is this place anyways? Like, is this a private residence? Like what's here? And they said, oh, this is uh, nursing. We do nurse and health and, and, it's mainly we work with women, uh, pregnancies. They weren't gynecologists, but we work with pregnancies. We work with women. That's what we, we specialize in. That was a month prior. I didn't know that was there. I didn't even know that existed, you know, until that accident that this member in our church had at that wall. So fast forward to this night, we're getting you guys loaded up in the car. And that comes into my mind. Oh yeah. There's that clinic for women and they're 24 seven, they're open 24 seven. So we rushed over there. And um, of course, you're, you could talk about your state of mind and then talk a little bit about when we finally get to the doctor. But when I we get there, I run in, we're explaining the situation. And they said, Well, we can't really handle that. Why don't you go to clinic Quad? 
We said, wow, that's the doctor we're, we were told to get in touch with, but his phone number doesn't work. They said, well, we'll take you right over there. So they jump in our car, drive us to his clinic, a clinic I didn't even know existed here. And they called his private cell phone and got him out there. And um, I'm just, God was at work and we, you can talk about your, your state of mind and your experience, but just from us looking on the outside, to me, that told me, okay, God, God's got this. But still, mm-hmm. it, it was a close call, wasn't it? Why don't you talk about now we get to the clinic? Why don't you talk a little bit about just what happened at the clinic? And then, you know, we, we knew driving four hours and, and there, this is a two lane road to go to Dakar. It's dangerous, especially at night. And we would be doing high speeds and it just would not have been a good situation. And she may not have even made it uh, by the time we got to Dakar. Um, it was the middle of the na- night by this time. And so we, you know, we found that clinic. Um, I think we actually just were down the road from it at, a, at another little hole in the wall clinic um, trying to find this place uh, of, uh, of, of Dr. Wad. And, uh, you know, they they directed us there. Uh, she went inside. Um, we, you know, we got her on a on a a gurney. Um, had blood stains of a prior patient on there. I mean, this is the type of cleanliness level that we're talking about, and this is why, as as missionaries in West Africa, uh, our, the hospital situations are just not the greatest. And uh, so, um, yeah, we we got her in there. Uh, they were able to treat her. They uh, were able to do a DNC procedure. Um, there, um, she had no pain medication for that at all. Um, she had two blood transfusions as well. I, my wife, I found out actually during this time, we both are the same, uh, blood type. And so I was able to give blood and just an amazing providence of God. And it was very traumatic. It was very confusing. Um, you know, we're here. We are as a, as a young married couple, on deputation, taking a survey trip for the first time as a married couple, uh, going, you know, to visit the mission field that God's called us to. And and this traumatic event happens, you know, that I nearly lose my wife um, that I just had gotten married to. And, you know, the peace of God, um, it passes all understanding. Um, You know, we we don't always understand the mind of God, the plan of God, uh, the will of God. Uh, but during that time, I know that you guys were right there every step of the way for us. Um, God gave us a great special relationship and friendship with you guys. And I think it's definitely drawn us closer together, even though we work in, in separate countries, uh, neighboring countries. But um, yeah, it, it was just amazing to sit back and, and, and to see God just save our life. Um, and the uh, the prayers of God's people, too. I want to mention that just, you know. When churches are praying and missionaries ask you to pray, um, for many, many churches and many people, even our families did not know this was going on, but yet churches and Christians were faithful to pray for us, for for their missionaries. And those prayers uh, are not unheard. It's not in vain um, because God, uh, he, he's working and uh, even when we don't see it. And uh, so it, it was traumatic. We, we went through with... Uh, the rest of our, our, our survey trip and had a great time. Um, you know, it was just, I mean, we had made so many memories on that trip. We, my wife and I really, um, and I'll just share this just for a minute, but my wife and I had, we knew God had called us, um, to Gambia. And I think our mindset was 
why would we ever let a situation like this distract us from the will of God? We know God's will. We know what he's called us to do. And, and everything came to our mind, you know, the sufferings of Paul, the sufferings of Christ, um, the words uh, uh, of Jesus and of Paul. Um, you know, and I think of Psalm 37 is my favorite passage. Uh, there's so many great verses in there uh, where it, it, it just admonishes us to, you know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You know, God upheld us with his hand. He, he just um, providentially took the reins, so to speak, and, and guided the situation and, uh, you know, we went back and, and continued on deputation. Uh, we shared that story a few times. We, you know, we didn't make a huge deal of it um, because we had a mission to do. God had called us to reach a country of Gambia, and that was our heartbeat. And uh, we really wanted to, to do that. God's blessed us with, with two wonderful boys since. Uh, we have a two-year-old, Emerson, and Emmett was just born eight weeks, uh, almost nine weeks ago. You know, God blessed us. He's given us a great family. It was traumatic. We we have one little child in heaven, and um, but but God God is so good, and and we love serving God in Gambia. He's made that abundantly clear that that's where He has us. And um, so I remember when it was all said and done, and we were able to go in and see Sarah. I think you went in first, and uh, you were able to see her. And then uh, we were able to come in and see her everything. And uh, when we walked into the room, she looks at us. And this is just, this is Sarah, just kind of her personality. But she looks at us and says, I'm sorry, guys, for being such a bother. And I thought, Sarah, no, this is, no, of course not. You know, this is um, just the trauma you went through. And to see God's faithfulness, to see how God, uh, just led in every step of the way. To me, it just amazes me. Not that we go through, that you go through trials, that we we all go through different trials. The right. amazing thing is not that we go through it, because even the lost, unsaved people go through difficulties like that. What's amazing is step back and see the almighty creator of the universe knew this was going to happen, and he orchestrated everything to see you through it, to get to the other side. And I know when we go through difficulties like that, knowing that God is on our side, sustains us and keeps us. And I know it's the same case for you. And uh, I, I'm so thankful that you shared that story with us. I know it's going to be a blessing uh, to other people and just encourage whatever trial you're going through, know that God's in control. Well, I want to wrap it up uh, with, why don't you just go ahead and we obviously you, you're learning the language there. You speak, they can speak English, of course, English speaking country. You're also working on Wolof right. language. And uh, of course, being in Senegal with this podcast, I've talked a lot about the Wolof language. Why don't you just bring us up to date where you are right now? Where is the church at? What's your vision? Where, where, where are you going? You know, your next couple years, where, where do you see God at work in the Gambia? Just kind of give us your vision and then uh, close it up by letting us know how we can be in touch with you if a pastor or church wants to support your ministry. Sure. Uh, so we arrived on the field May of 2019. Uh, our first eight months, uh, we went to a village called Ndugu Kebe. Um, it's a rural village, uh, several hours outside of the capital city. 
um, in a, this village uh, didn't speak much English. Only a, a handful of people would speak English in this village. It's a Wolof village, uh, very, very um, uh, densely cultural. Uh, and so it's a great place to learn uh, the, they call it the Fana Fana, the, the real Wolof, um, the, the pure Wolof, not any mix of French or English in with it, which you tend to have in the capital city areas. And so, um, you know, we went to that. It, uh, it was great. We were doing language study for several hours a day, five days a week. Uh, we were paired up with language uh, tutors uh, that were Wolof speaking people uh, that lived in that village and uh, was a great experience. Um, we learned so much during that time. Uh, we're not fluent in Wolof, uh, but we can comfortably converse and ask questions and respond to questions of people. Uh, we can greet, we can uh, share some things uh, uh, about the Bible, we can sing uh, gospel songs in Wolof. So uh, God really helped us during that time. It was very much of a learning. I know you guys just had a, a podcast about uh, um uh, deputation and language learning and how value, valuable that is. That was definitely our, our testimony. It was a valuable time, a great time of learning. We didn't do hardly any ministry during that time other than we had, uh, you know, uh, people in the village that, that we got to know and, and be friends with, as well as uh, a few of the surrounding villages that, that we knew some people that lived there. But um, yeah, so we uh, left that and went to the capital city. Uh, we, we actually uh, transitioned to the city in January of 2020. And uh, just a couple of months later, uh, the pandemic hit and everything shut down. And so uh, it, it kind of delayed us a little bit. We, we moved into our, our house that we were renting. And uh, we, we really used that time during the pandemic when a lot of things were closed and shut down. Even churches and mosques were shut down. Um, and so we just surveyed where God would have us. There was some veteran missionaries that had been in Gambia for 40 years uh, with a different mission board uh, that uh, they were leaving the field. And before they left the field, um, I, uh, both Sarah and I were able to go on kind of a survey trip around uh, the city region and, and just for him to show us his heart of places he knew that there was no church um, that there was uh, there was no gospel presence at all. And so uh, we found the town of Busambala as well as a neighboring town called Jambur um, that we knew of that there was no church. A lot of the people in that area who might be Christian uh, would go to other churches, either in Brikama or Saracunda. And so it really was a strategic place. Uh, we just by faith stepped out and said, yes, Lord, we'll, uh, we'll just pursue this. And we were able to find a building to rent. And uh, so we, we started the church uh, back at the, uh, towards the end of, of 2020. And uh, so the church is, is less than a year old. Uh, and God's been blessing. Uh, we have, on average, between five and ten people come every Sunday. We have a Friday Bible study as well. Uh, Friday is, the, is, is, the Muslim is a Muslim holy day where everything shuts down about two o'clock in the afternoon. And so we have a Bible study for Christians in our community to come and, and be involved in, in, in reading and studying the Bible and discussing the Bible. And then we have a church service on Sunday, and, and God's been blessing. Uh, we've purchased property as well, uh, just about two-minute walk from the building that we're renting in Busambala, and uh, we're getting ready to start construction there next year. Um, and so we're really excited about what the Lord's doing. Uh, we have uh, partners in the ministry. Um, uh, God's blessed us with other uh, capable Christian people uh, who are who are in our church, and uh, God's also given us people who have a lot of needs, uh, even some unsaved people who come. And so, um, this is it is 
It is a great ministry uh, in so many ways. I feel so inadequate, um, but God's grace is sufficient and uh, God's blessing, God's moving and, and, and providing every step of the way. And we're just excited to see a, a church started in Gambia. Um, there's very few churches. It's 95% Muslim. And uh, we don't know how much time we have left to, to reach this country with the gospel. And we're just so thankful that, you know, there's no persecution um, there. It's, it's remarkable. I know you and I have talked about this, that there's still Muslim countries like Senegal and Gambia that are predominantly Muslim. And yet we can live there. We can preach the gospel without any fear of being kicked out of the country. And uh, what a blessing that is. What a what a an open door in a time we have um, to reach people. We don't know how much time we, we have, but uh, we're thankful for the opportunity we have to to herald the gospel uh, where God's called us. Yeah, it's such such an amazing opportunity in the Gambia. I know one of the veteran missionaries there was sharing with us the opportunity they had to even teach English in public schools which again, they're not Muslim schools, but they're run all by Islamic leadership because everybody there is basically Muslim. So you're basically a public Muslim school that they were able to go into and teach English and use the Bible as their curriculum. And uh, they were sharing with us on our first survey trip that even once you build up an English club of students to about 35, the government will pay a salary to whoever teaches and um, that class. And so they were training some of their young ladies in their church to do teaching English as a second language, teaching English. And they were using the Bible as a curriculum in these schools, just an amazing opportunity. And there's so many opportunities like that in the Gambia. Everywhere needs laborers, but some places, I think they just need more laborers than others. And Gambia is one of those places, such incredible opportunities. I want people to know more about the Gambia. So how did they learn more about your ministry? How do we get in touch with you? How can we learn more about your ministry? If somebody wants to take a trip to visit Gambia, or if they want to get involved in supporting your ministry, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, we are, we are on social media, Facebook. You can find us uh, Jenkins, the number two West Africa. So Jenkins to West Africa. Um, we have a page on Facebook. You can uh, go on there, like us. Uh, we uh, will put updates on there. Uh, you also can send me an email, missionarydanieljenkins at gmail.com. Uh, that's missionarydanieljenkins at gmail.com. So send me an email. I'd love to uh, communicate with you. And um, we also, uh, you can find us on our BIMI website, uh, BIMI. Dot com and you can go there and find us under Africa and our names Daniel and Sarah Jenkins in the Gambia and uh, you can read a little bit there watch our video and uh, so love to to have anyone we have teams actually coming next year Lord willing a few churches and people who like to come and be a part of the the building of the church and also uh, be a part of the ministry we can openly evangelize our city and our town uh, hand out Bible materials, talk to people about the Lord. Uh, it's a very religious uh, culture we live in. Uh, religion is talked about in daily conversation, uh, God, um, and so it comes up all the time. And so gospel conversation, people can come and, and be involved in ministry as well as in, in, in construction of our church. And it's an exciting time to serve the Lord, and we're we're just so blessed that God's That's using right. us there. It's very similar with, with Gambia and Senegal, where 
people get intimidated when they hear Islamic evangelism, but I'll tell you what, there's no easier place to do evangelism in sharing the gospel than in an Islamic country like Senegal or Gambia, because people are open. They love talking about religion and uh, there's so many opportunities. Now, seeing people saved and discipled, that's a different story. We don't have time to get into that, but uh, boy, we'll share all of your contact information in the link below and be sure to check out the Jenkins and their ministry. Take a trip to the Gambia, support their ministry and get on board. If anything, add them to your prayer list and uh, pray for their ministry there in the Gambia. Pray for laborers for the country of Gambia. And uh, we're just excited, Daniel, to see how the Lord is using you and Sarah uh, to reach this needy place. And we're excited about the future. We've got a trip planned for next summer, Lord willing. We want to come down and do a big evangelistic outreach program with our church, partnering with your church. And uh, we're just excited about what the Lord is doing. Thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, coming on the podcast and doing this interview with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you have time, you know, be sure to share this interview with somebody who would be encouraged by it and uh, like the podcast, share the podcast and leave a five star review that helps us in the ratings so more people can get the word out and uh, finding out about our podcast, The Missionary Perspective. Well, I appreciate it, Daniel. Have a great day and God bless.